You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme. Well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes. And please be drunk when you hear it. I kept Kleenex in business in the late 90s. Mike Austin might have fucked to knock his wife. But just say no to this pay-per-view. Wait, were you making a death joke? Told you we should have gone to the donkey show. Stop choking yourself. It's either death or defecation. Woo! What's up, Drunk Marks and Drunk Marquettes? Welcome to this week's episode of Drunk Wrestling History. I'm Adam, designated to be your host on this Drunken Wrestling Adventure. Strap yourselves in, buckle up, keep your hands, feet, arms, and legs inside the car on this highway to hell. It's going to be a great uh, episode that we're going to take you on. Of course, joining us uh, in uh, in this episode are the Drunk Wrestling Historians. This is Eddie. Step off, I'm doing the hump. And this is Scott, educating the masses one drink at a time. Alright, and for this episode, uh, looks like... Uh, You've already been uh, feeling uh, what uh, you've consumed earlier today. Any anything uh, new that we're drinking for this episode? Now, I'm drinking right now a uh, lemon drop martini, which I call a, a lemon yellow sun. Which uh, very nice. Which, if you're around my age, you'll get the reference. Very nice. And I'm sticking with blackened in water. But uh, we are prepared to do a shot, if I'm not mistaken, Mister Eddie Martin. We are going to do a shot. We are going to do a shot. I don't. We, I don't think we told you this, Adam. Um, go for it. We lost a legend this week, so you're going to be hearing this probably, I don't know, you're listening to this at least in March, maybe in April, um, but this today's February 12th, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Some sometime in the last couple, couple days, days ago. Yeah, mid, yeah. Er, mid early February, um, the great Larry Flint died, and we would like to do a shot to him, and what are you doing a shot of, Blackened? Yeah, I'm just going to stick with Blackened. Yep. All right. I got a shot of Irish whiskey. I forget the brand, but it's actually pretty good. Um, I so. would uh, I would personally like to thank Larry Flint for helping me keep Kleenex in business in the nineties. <laughs> uh, he was one of the few publications that I could purchase over the the drugstore counter that actually showed Dick going in. So kudos, Mister Larry Flint. There you go. Let's do it. To Larry Flint, everyone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You could buy it cool. over the counter. Cool. You could buy it at your local Rexall. Also, if anyone saw the movie The People vs. Larry Flint, he was a... Oh, God damn. Oof. Right? Dealing that yeah. shot, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone who saw that movie knows that he was a huge um, champion of the First Amendment. And he was a guy who got a lot of... Um, a lot of court cases were involved with him and uh, to do with the First Amendment, things like this. And uh, he was just a really important guy in that part of uh the country's history so dude was a legend he was awesome we love him we love his magazine but yes. i personally love even more what he did in that realm i just love him for showing uh, the tits and the vag and dick going in kudos sir salud <laughs> in the meantime uh before we get into this what i gotta drink i've got some sioux city root beer and uh we're doing this over FaceTime. Hopefully they can see. I found some Kiss Army root beer. Yes! What the fuck, dude? Where'd you find that? All right, so it was this 
Uh, for those of us uh, who are in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, if you head over to Alameda, this place called Rocket Fizz on Park Street, pretty much candy shop, and you get a you see a big variety of uh, of drinks there. Uh, Dude, I'm, I'm literally sure, going to be yeah. in Alameda tomorrow. It's Check called it Rocket Fizz on Park Street. Rocket Fizz on Park Street. Oh fuck yeah! I'm hella stopping there. Can you hold out the bottle again so I can see it? Yes. You got to send a I'm, bottle to Soda Hunter, dude. Oh, that's fucking yeah. Soda Hunter need, absolutely needs a bottle of that. Oh my get, god, Kiss Army root beer. Soda Hunter needs an airplane ticket to Alameda to go check that place out. Yes, <laughs> he'll love it. It's beautiful there. Yeah, they also have got their own house brand, but still all like all the crazy labels. Uh, let's let's see. I also got. I don't know if I'll get to it on this episode. I also have Melba's Fixins Apple Pie Soda. Oh shit! Ooh. I mean, it, it's summer. Uh, I mean, we're covering a summer episode here. I don't know if we'll get to this, but... Well, it's also like 70 degrees here, so it feels like summer. Yeah. I mean, summertime in the U.S., baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet, so might as well. I bet it tastes better <laughs> we'll than that shot we just did. You know what? Let's... Uh, I'll find out in the uh, during the episode. Thank uh, you. But before we jump into it, I know, uh, Eddie, you have a quick note that you want to share. Oh, yeah. Um, I always update listeners in new countries. I saw today we had a listener in the Czech Republic. Um, you're hearing this a month or two after we're recording this. I hope the dude or the dude or the chick is still listening. And to you, I don't know how to say thank you in um, the Czech language. I do know how to say Nostrovio. Cheers. I would sing the Russian national anthem. But I already did that one on a previous episode, so you got to go back and check it out. Well, that was also the Soviet national anthem, which there is no more Soviet Union. Well, look, tomato, tomato, whatever. <laughs> Nikolai was awesome. Right. Yeah, but the Czechs have nothing to do with that anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't get technical. Yeah. Oh, dang. The Kiss Army beer is pretty good. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so so far, so good. So Okay, beautiful. I will literally be in Alameda tomorrow. I am definitely going to stop and pick up a bottle of that. Awesome. Also, for all the, all the sugar-high miners that you may have, this place will also entertain them very much. All right, let's get into so, the episode, Adam. This week's episode, we're uh, going to go to the year of our Lord, 1998. Might be the year of our Lord, but this is the highway to hell at the most famous arena in the country, or is it called the world most famous, in the world? The world's is. most famous arena. World's most famous arena. This is the 10th annual Summer Slam at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, so this is right balls deep into the Attitude Era, and we've balls done, deep, and we've done shockingly few. I started looking back at our catalog. We have not done a lot of Attitude Era stuff. We do a lot. Shame of, on uh, us. Yeah, we've done way more like New Generation Era shit, which is, um, I guess those are funnier than Attitude Era. So like we tend to lean more toward those, but the Attitude Era. So quick background on why we're doing this episode. So I was on quarantine from work because of uh, possible exposure. I didn't get coronavirus, but it was a iffy thing. Um, I had to take two weeks off work. Then Carissa wanted me to take two weeks off after Christmas and New Year's or from Christmas through the week after New Year's because she was worried about some dummy at work, you know, doing something. So I had a lot of time off at the end of the year. So I'd been watching the Attitude Era on the network for a long time, but never really... I'd watch an episode here and there. I was trying to watch watch the whole thing from start to finish. 
I went Attitude Era fucking nuts, dude. I watched like four months of it in those couple weeks I was off. And I always remember that SummerSlam 98 was really good, but I hadn't seen it in forever. I didn't even really remember any of the matches except um, Stone Cold and Undertaker. So when I got to it, I'm watching it. I was like, this is a good fucking pay-per-view. So Scott, I texted you. I was like, dude, do you want to review this one? And you're like, yeah, sure. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I started taking notes and that was why, that's why we're here today. I don't think I ever rewatched it. Honestly, I watched it when it happened in 98 and I don't know that I've ever gone back and watched it again. Wait, didn't you just watch it to take notes for this episode? No, 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 I did. So up until that point, so we're talking, gosh, what, 20 plus years. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen this pay-per-view. I probably hadn't seen it in 20 years. I I definitely had it on VHS. You know, I recorded it off the pay-per-view and I watched it a few times back in the day, but it's totally possible I had not seen it since around like 2000, 2001. And I only cursed your name one time for making me watch this. Only one time during this whole pay-per-view. Was it during the second match? It was, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, Adam, let's just dive right into the matches. Dive. Oh, well, hang on. Before we dive into the matches, a couple notes up Video front. promo. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Go for it. It's at the Garden. Um, I miss them doing shows at the Garden with the entrance on the short side of the arena. Where, yes. So, that's the way that... Um, that's the way Raw and SmackDown was set up before they got to the Superdome, where the stage was across from the hard camera. So, you see the stage on the main shot the same way AEW is still set up now the only time they ever did that was at the garden which is it made it feel special because you only saw a show a year or every other year or whatever that was shot that way i love that i really miss that a lot i wish they would go back to the garden for some pay you know like even do you like a big pay-per-view where i i, I know there are like cost uh it's it's uh prohibitive to run shows over because of the cost do SummerSlam there. Do those shows and, you know, charge a lot for the tickets. A high, at least yeah. just a high-profile one, not a random one when you happen to be in town. Right. I'm not doing Raw there, but do, like, some of the big do, – do a Royal Rumble there and charge a crazy money uh, uh, amount of money for the tickets. And I really miss those shows there. Also, um, Vlad was there. Ringside, Faith and War Guy was there. And that dude who's been to every WrestleMania was there. And the dude and the chick with the windbreakers were there. And this also, I don't know if you, I don't think you would know this unless you were watching all the Attitude Era episodes at the time. This was the first episode or the first show they did with the padded barricades that they have now instead of the old like bicycle rack barricades. Ah, good catch, dude. Yeah. Um, Also at ringside, it's surrounded with with photographers. It looks like when Yoko wrestled Hogan and there were photographers everywhere. Right. One, One of them is the great Bill Apter. He has a beard at this point. And he also has a little bit of hair, and I wondered if he uh, shaved it because it started to go gray. Interesting observations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. So uh, before we get into it, there is a video package because main event was supposed to be Undertaker and Kane versus uh, Austin for a WWF title. Uh, It's uh, McMahon's uh, plan to put them together. Spoiler alert, it doesn't turn out that way. Uh, but it's uh, it's still Taker versus uh, Austin. On the network, they don't play the intro music. Obviously, it's Highway to Hell, but uh, okay, I was they wondering, just jumped I, that. Yeah. Okay, I thought they did use that back in the day. So they did. It, and the it, network took it off. Make, it only makes sense because it happens like two or three times uh, randomly throughout the pay-per-view. Like, suddenly, like... Uh, 
like match ends and then hard cut to an exterior shot or uh, to a backstage segment without any uh, segue uh, into it. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah. All right. Starting off the night, we've got uh, the European Championship. Uh, Val Venus taking on uh, champion entering from the nation, D'Lo Brown. So I'd like Val- to get Val Venus. I came, I saw, I came again. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Riveting stuff, dude. Riveting stuff, yeah. Well, when I was his age, I could, I could do that too. Yeah, exactly. Upon, upon his entrance, uh, there's uh, there are two signs next to each other. One says Venus Envy, and uh, the one next to it says Valboski, plant your seed in the Big Apple. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So, right. again, balls deep into the Attitude Era. It was the Attitude Era. Yeah, it was a bunch of, like, 21-year-olds. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so... The first thing I thought about this match. So going into the pay-per-view, there were only like four matches that were promoted. So, because I was watching, like I said, I was watching all the Raws. When you get to it, you're like, damn, what matches are going to happen? You're thinking there are going to be four matches. Like, how are you going to do a three-hour pay-per-view with that? Well, they throw a bunch of unpromoted matches at you. So this was a really bizarre one because at this point, this is two, maybe three weeks after Val Venus got his dick cut off by um, Yamaguchi-san. Oh, this was after that. It was right after it. So this is right in the middle of Valvinus's feud with Kayantai. Okay. So it was like, yeah, two to three weeks before this was that whole stupid thing with him kind of getting his dick cut off. And then um, <laughs> he was moving it. really well for that, for a, a choppy or pee pee. He was moving pretty well in the ring. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah, he had, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, my favorite porn star, John Bobbitt, turned out to be the guy who saved him from getting his dick cut off. Yes. So, and then the week, and then the Monday before this was when D'Lo Brown did, like, a rape angle with China. Where, like, oh! Right? Where the nation, it was, like, Mark Henry and D'Lo and I forget who else. But they did, it got, like, crazy. So, it was really, it was a really random match. Because it was D'Lo versus Valvinus, but they both were in their own feuds at the time. Which might happen once in a while on a Raw, but not on a SummerSlam. So, it was an odd match. And the crowd was dead. Dead during the beginning of it because it was the unannounced match and these two guys had no history with each other. Oh, well, it was a good match regardless. It was a great match. Yeah. They really tore it up. That was the thing. Um, yeah, that <laughs> Val started the match with, uh, making a joke about coming and then he laughs like butthead. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now Beavis and Butthead is like six years removed from culture. Right, right. But here he is making coming jokes and laughing like Butthead. Yeah, and then my favorite part was that D'Lo was announced as uh from being from Hel Hel uh Helsinki. Well he had moved. He, well, because he was in Munich. European uh, title. Yeah. Right. The the previous Monday he lived in Munich. So this week he lived in Helsinki. Now JR kept talking about how he had heard that D'Lo's chest protector was reinforced. So ah. they're setting you up for that to be a weapon. Right. And then did you notice that like early on in the crowd, Edge or early on in the match, Edge was lurking in the crowd? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that was to throw you Just... off the scent for later in the card. Yeah, totally. So this was a cool time. This was a really cool time in wrestling because um well I'll get into it later with Edge. Spoiler, Edge is in the show later. But um it was just kind of cool. 
Like, I like that Edge was lurking in the crowd during the match, and he'd been doing that for the past several weeks on Raw. So, um, yeah, like you said, it was a really, really good match. It was a, it was a, it's one of the best major pay-per-view openers I've ever seen that wasn't an, um, you know, we've had really, really good ones like Ray and Eddie at 21. Yeah. Um, but those were like top of the card matches that just happened to go on early. This was sort of a throwaway match that was really good. And going forward in the Attitude Era, it really got Valvinus over. It really did. Now, did you notice during the course of the match, did D'Lo botch a powerbomb? Um, he did. I yeah, think um, so. Yeah, I made a note of that. He dropped on his head. Okay. I wish Draws was watching. D'Lo was really bad at powerbombs. Apparently, yes. He was, because he almost killed Valvinus in this one. Thank yeah. God he didn't. Um, To be fair, I thought that Val didn't go up right on it. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was Valvinus' um, fuck-up, not D'Lo's. Okay, but I, like I know he pushed saying, his though, body like, down on the like on the power bomb or something, or he just well you know you got to do like kind of a jumping flip. He didn't really do it right. Okay. Is, that's the way it looked to me. Um, but yeah, I know exactly what I know exactly what you're saying with that is uh, yeah, D'Lo with a power bomb botch, right? It, yes, and I wish it didn't happen like that because D'Lo is so fucking good, dude. Like that guy could go. Yeah, yeah. And it sucks that he was the guy that injured draws. Like, mm-hmm. that really sucks, because he was so good in the ring. Right. Well, would you prefer it be someone who sucks in the ring that injures him? Well, I mean, at least then you can write it off to that. Right, instead of just, like, a freak accident. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, if Nia did this, like, we'd be like, okay, You'd of, be like, course of course she did. Yeah, of course. Of course she did, yeah. Right. Oh, right. By the way, I hope her hole is better. But, I mean, if Nia did something like that, of course you expect that. I don't want to have anything to do with her hole. (laughs) Ain't got nothing to do with me. By the way, meme of the week. So, you know uh, when this recording is taking place. (laughs) Also, also they superimposed her on the Shia LaBeouf movie Holes as well. So, that was pretty funny. Well, look, she's going to get a free bidet out of the deal. So, good for her. But it just sucks that D'Lo was the guy that did that to draws. It really sucks. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of the way wrestling goes sometimes. D'Lo was fantastic. Val Venus was fantastic. This was a solid, solid opener. I hated the finish. The finish was bullshit. It was, but the match was great. It was a stupid finish. I mean, they're horrible. It was great. Like, for maybe B-card wrestlers, great offensive maneuvers throughout. Val really attacking the ribs. Like, even though reinforced vests, like, just... Just great offensive strategies there. Well, and then, but they mentioned the reinforced vest. Now, at one point, Val took the house, uh, yeah. the vest off of him. Did you notice that that vest like folded up like it was a fucking tortilla? Like it was like yeah. the softest vest you've ever seen. And they spent the <laughs> they spent like ten minutes talking about how it was reinforced. Yeah, you know so what I mean. To, like, yeah. So oh, apparently, the, it doesn't have steel in it. So yeah, it was, to the cause, yeah, it was reinforced with like cotton candy or something. <laughs> yeah, to the cosplay uh, community that's uh, listening to this, I mean that definitely looked like uh, like some jazzed up uh, EVA foam there. So please uh, let us know <laughs> how it would be reinforced in this particular manner. And uh, that handle is wrestling underscore drunk. Can't wait to hear from you on that. <laughs> but yeah, I totally agree. It was a shit finish. Um, but it made sense because you don't want to have either guy lose to one another when they're not in a feud with each other. You know, and, yeah. and also Val was undefeated at this point. So right. I got you had it. to protect. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would say 
not that the finish shouldn't have happened, maybe the match shouldn't have happened. As good as it was. You know what I mean? Right. And one of the sparkling points of this match, too, was the guy at ringside wearing a Goldberg Sucks t-shirt. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, that was good. Yep. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Val Venus uh, gave the referee a money shot. <sighs> Nailed it. Uh, after the match, uh, we go backstage where Mankind is with Michael Cole uh, in front of a dismantled hearse. Uh, it was established in uh, Sunday Night Heat. As soon as uh, that hearse arrived, Austin just went to town with it. Uh, there was this uh, suspicion that Undertaker and Kane were in there. Uh, Austin went sledgehammer on it and uh, destroyed it with a forklift. It turns out this was Mankind's rental, and now he's all sad. <laughs> Mankind had a rough night. He, he really did. <laughs> I mean, like, nothing went nothing went right for that guy that night. Now, his next SummerSlam was much better, but this one, not so much. <laughs> I don't remember it. Maybe that's a yeah, good one. Maybe that's 99 a good was a good SummerSlam for Mick. Okay. 98, not so much. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll do that one later. Sounds delightful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh, after that finishes up, we have a four-on-three handicap match. This is mm-hmm. Kai and Tai with Yamaguchi-san versus the Oddities. Uh, accompanying them is Luna Vashon and the Insane Clown Juggalos. This is where I was cursing Eddie's name for even suggesting this pay-per-view. Let me read you the notes I have on this match. I'm going to go in order here from top to bottom. Go ahead. Okay, here it is. ICP and Luna are in the oddities corner. I don't even want to watch this match. This is fucking awful. I want to see one of the oddities do a dive. This is like watching a Godzilla movie. I should be watching SummerSlam 88. For fuck's sake, can this just end? Thankfully, this match is over. Oddities fucking win. Wow. Those are my notes, because fuck this match, dude. <laughs> um, I was so okay. mad at you. All right. Um. See, that was when, when I got to this match is when I started thinking this would be a good show to uh, review. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's you know, the like, scheme. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we could goof on this shit all night. <laughs> so fucking bad. Why oh like, my so goodness. Is, okay. So going back, like I said, I've been watching a couple months of Attitude Era in a row. I'd never seen ICP until this night. Really? So, this was their first appearance? I think so. Unless I missed something, like maybe I was. You know, maybe I had an episode of Raw playing and I was like barbecuing or something and I missed it. I don't know. But this Okay, now timeline mis- wise, had they been killed in ECW yet? Because remember, RVD and Sabu fucked them right up at one of their pay-per-views that we've actually reviewed. Well, that was Hardcore Heaven 97, so yeah. Okay, so this was after the fact. So they already should be dead. Now, but I don't w- know if or is- WWF brought them back to life. Yeah, and I don't know if this was before or after Shaggy 2 Dope was powerbombed by Mike Awesome onto the bus and fell off of said bus. Oh, but uh, <laughs> Mike Awesome couldn't finish the job, huh? Come on, man. <laughs> um, but it was weird. The oddities hadn't been on TV in weeks. The last time we had seen them, they'd been with Sable of all fucking people. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there was no explanation for ICP being there. As we had said before, Kai and Ty were in a feud with 
um, uh, Val, Val Venus. Venus. So what the fuck is Kyantai doing getting involved with the oddities? Like none of it made sense. It was another unannounced match that didn't. That was just like, I don't know, from out of nowhere, and it was a weird match. So you got Earthquake, who was a bad motherfucker, right? Like yeah, he was a legit sumo wrestler, right? I believe so. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think he really wrestled sumo in Japan before he was a, a professional wrestler in America. Yeah, like he was Yokozuna before Yokozuna. Right. So you put him in a fucking Cartman shirt and a in a dumb mask, so you can't tell who he right. is. And I think they had like a thing around it, like an armband on him, so you couldn't see that stupid tiger tattoo. Yeah, Golga. Right. It called him Golga. It yeah. was stupid as shit. I yep. sort of felt like them putting, you know, it was like they hadn't been on TV in forever. I sort of, <laughs> to be honest, I sort of felt like they were like, let's just throw John Tanta a fucking bone and put him on SummerSlam so he can get paid. You know? Give him a payday. Yeah. Right, right. Like, you know, he worked his ass off for us years ago. Like, let's just hook him up. Um, He fucked, they ended up pouring water into uh, Yamaguchi-san's shoes, which was like Throwing I'm supposed to back. care about Yamaguchi's. They were like sneakers, dude. They were like the dude was wearing Skechers or Keds, and I'm supposed to care about his fucking Keds. <laughs> if it's late, mean? if it's late '90s Keds, maybe luck or was lugs uh, a thing? Nah, they were like no. He got that shit at Payless, dude. It wasn't like he was out there in Sean John or Jordans. Yeah, and I'm supposed to give a fuck about his shoes. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> um, I did forget that um, Kurgan could fucking work. Did you notice that? No. Yeah, Kurgan was actually a pretty good wrestler. Like, he could have been a... If Kurgan had not been put in the oddities, Kurgan could have probably had a pretty good career. Uh, So Kurgan was not in the oddities for a while. Like, they had him in the Truth Commission. Like, he was their beast, and then I think he had a singles run. Hey, did you watch this match, dude? Because Kurgan was in it. Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> It was garbage. That's why I wrote the notes. I did watch the whole thing, but I fucking hated it. Well, if they hadn't fucked... That's what I'm saying. If they hadn't fucked Kurgan up. So, I think I tweeted a picture of SummerSlam the other day. Um, DJ tweeted me. We got into a conversation about the Truth, uh, the Truth Commission and the oddities. Apparently, at some stupid party, Kurgan started dancing. Jackal told him not to do it. Vince saw him doing it, and that's where Vince came up with the idea for the oddities. He was like, "Oh, fuck. oh let's put the big tall guy dancing on TV," and like that, and that was the end of Kurgan. But he I okay. Could you could, send me matches where Kurgan could work, please? This one. I mean, if you look no. what he did, he was pretty good, dude. He, I mean, he wrestled like a big guy. When you're that big, uh, when you're that, but big, you can't you really to... feature it against Kaintai, who's not going to give him anything. Yeah, they weren't even half his height, dude. Like it. It was like Big Show throwing around Rey Mysterio. No, like I know. It, I'm just yeah, but you watch Big Show throw throw Rey Mysterio around. You're like, yeah, he can work because he's safe, and the shit he does looks good. That's what I felt about Kirk, and I was like, he's he's not bad. He was pretty good. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Fine. Giant Silva, however, was not good. Oh my gosh! Right, he was a joke. First thing I thought when I saw Giant Silva, he's from Argentina. I think he left half of his teeth in Argentina. He did. Right. Yes, this is true. Yes. Um, then the next thing I thought was like, imagine putting a giant silver match on in New York City of all places. <laughs> Rough crowd. Right. <laughs> of all the crowds to put this guy in front of, you pick New York City. I couldn't think. I would say Philly, Boston, and Chicago, Chicago. would be the other ones. You do not want to put this guy out there because he's going to get his fucking ass handed to him by the crowd. If it was a singles match, it would have been all bad, dude. Yeah. 
Right. It would have been like Lesnar and Goldberg in 04. All bad. Totally. Yeah. So eventually Yamaguchi-san and Luna get involved. Uh, I think Kurgan and Ch- Silva chokeslammed everyone and then Golga pinned him. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe we're still talking about this match, actually. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. the whole reason I wanted to do this pay-per-view, dude. Mm. Ultimately, I wrote in my notes that it was a comedy match that was not funny. Yeah. Right? It yeah. was like watching it was like watching a uh, Three Stooges short when Joe Besser was in the in the crew. You dated yourself a little bit, dude. Well. <laughs> okay. So that's okay. Like, it happens. Like Scott, I'm gonna read my notes just from top to bottom. I can't uh, wait. I I wanna hear this. Piss break match is second match of the night. Yep. <laughs> uh, oddities well, are all. Ben, ben Ball yeah. wasn't there yet. <laughs> How dare you mention his name? Oddities already in the ring while Kaintai enters. Great ovation for this match. The crowd is in their seats. <laughs> <laughs> Lawler calls Giant Silva a dentist dream. Oh! <laughs> yeah. He noticed his teeth too. Yeah. Um, I've never heard b- before this. I've never heard of the oddities. If I would have known them, possibly on my shitty team Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. No problem. That would be fun to do another um, version of that. Version of that, With- or like any an episode of just retracts or something. Yeah. There you go. And then also. Or uh, two more quick things. Funaki totally landed short on a flying headbutt on Golga, and then he dove to complete the headbutt, which I thought was <laughs> hella funny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at least trying, just trying to adapt. But all right, the big thing uh, that I want to bring out about this match, uh, I know there's a trend of like uh, wrestlers in uh, in their tights and uh, proper wrestling gear, and then. I think uh, John Cena has really brought it out in uh, so many other people just uh, wearing uh, jeans or uh, free clothing. This is some of the most ugliest wrestling wear that I have ever seen by the oddities. It was so bad that I had to get in contact with one of my uh, good friends. Uh, Well, uh, two of them. Uh, There's Steven and Dana, part of uh, OC Bay. You could uh, follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Underscore OC Bay Music. Steven is one of my great friends uh, who knows a lot about a fashion. I asked his opinion on this, uh, and I showed him pictures. He said, unique and bold to make it your own. He also has uh, the term bad outfit idea. For some reason, he appreciated this team and called them a good outfit idea. Bold is always slang. I love it. And classic tees are always fun. I kind of... I questioned him on that, but I guess also maybe for the time because South Park is a year old and it's fucking rocking the country. Totally. And yeah, I agree with that time. Yeah. I also agree with him because Dick to go clearly bought his t-shirt at Spencer Gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never not laugh when you call him that, dude. That's his name. Is- <laughs> Whose dog is is that your dog barking? I'm sorry you can hear that. Okay. All good. I'm I'm so embarrassed. What are you gonna do? Well, yeah. you know. All right, moving on. We we spent 15 minutes on the fucking oddities. I was just gonna ask, what was the time count on the oddities fucking match? It was that I shit all over. Well, we're 31 minutes into this episode, minus the little bit beforehand. I'd call it, I'd say we're 28 minutes into this episode. 
What in the hell's so, wrong with us, dude? Yeah. Really? 15 on oddities? <laughs> this is probably the only time they'll show up on an episode, so maybe we're just milking it a little we're bit. Gonna, the, the main yeah, event's going to be two minutes. <laughs> uh, bef- uh, before we uh, move on, they point out that Method Man is... Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry. Spoiler I uh, skipped around. Next match is the hair versus hair match. Uh, this is Jeff Jarrett, known as Double J with Southern Justice. Not wearing shirts under their vests and while wearing it's a, a good suit. It's Yeah, totally. Quote, unquote. Uh, he's taking on X-Pac with the Fink in his corner. Because during Heat, uh, Double J and Southern Justice shaved his head. So this is when, around the time, Double J started randomly shaving people's heads. Like, he shaved a jobber's head the week before. Um, he, saved, he shaved Draws' head, I think, right before that. So he, like, went fucking... Suddenly his gimmick was shaving heads. Right, like Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then he started hanging out. This is when um, he also had his dad with him, which... What was his name? Um, Jerry Jarrett? No, but his uh, WWE name. Jerry Jarrett had a WWE name? I thought he had a different name. I'm thinking of the coach. Never mind. Yeah, he was called Jerry Jarrett. I was thinking of Mr. Perfect's manager. Um, And then he had Southern Justice with him, which I actually thought was a great name for a tag team. But I thought it was wasted on Phineas and Henry O. Godwin. There were probably other teams they could have put in that role to be better. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, who would there. you have given it to if not them? Yeah. Right. Um. But it was a really cool match. I love the match. You know how you know how I feel about Double J. You know how I feel about X Pac. Both guys are Dude, super underrated. X Pac um, was fucking fast. Oh this my was, god. Yeah. No. X Pac grounded strength vet. Gr- grounded strength match versus aerial attacks. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Great way they were working with each other on this one. Yeah. Yeah, like when they called him Lightning Kid, like he legit earned that name, dude. Like he was fucking fast. And this was gosh, he's been in the biz, what, six, seven years at this point. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was in GWF before WWF, and holy shit, he was still hella fast. And that was after his neck injury, like, dude, mad respect to X Pac. He had a hell of a match with Jarrett. Right. Um, so it was a really good back and forth. It was a cool match. Um nothing special, but it was just a really good match. Um, X-Pac go, goes for a Bronco Buster. Double J gets his foot up and uh, gets his foot. Uh, X-Pac Bronco Busters his dick onto Double J's foot. Fink gets up on right. the ring. Double J knocks him down. And then uh, X-Pac hits an X-Factor for a two count. And then here's what gets weird. Through that gate, which I mentioned earlier, I love the way the stage is set up and the ramp is set up. But <laughs> through that gate... Maybe they shouldn't have a gate that you can see through because you could see Southern Justice through it, like kind of standing there waiting for a cue. Yeah. Um, They run out, and Henry Godwin pulls Double J out of the ring, but it was after a two count. And I swear he missed his cue, right? Probably did. Yeah, because it was like it was a two count, and then he pulls Double J out. So it was weird. Then Phineas gets up. He tries to hit X-Pac with a guitar. Misses, Xbox takes it, hits Double J with it. One, two, three. And now Double J's getting his head shaved. Yep. And, man, I've mentioned this Dude, before. like, it was a party in the ring after that. 
Draws comes out. The fucking Headbangers came out. For some yeah, reason, the New Sar- Age Outlaws come out. Yeah, Sarge is in the ring for some reason. You don't even, you can't even figure out what he's doing. Like he seems like he's there, like telling people what to do. I think he has a haircutting fetish, actually. Sarge, is that a thing? A haircut fetish? It might be. It's there's, Sarge. Who there's knows? something for everyone. So uh, yeah. exactly, yes. Hang on, let me look at you porn and see if that's a. Uh, let me <laughs> type that in. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it was great. Um. Double J was selling the fuck out of it too. He's so livid about his hair, and then they they finish, and he go he he starts to go up the aisle, and he starts arguing with one of the fans. You know, <laughs> like I think one of the fans made fun of his hair, and he's like, "Fuck you, fan!" Like it was yeah, so good. It was I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I love that match. It was nice and uh, crowded in that ring for uh, the post match festivities. All right, after that, uh, now it is pointed out that Method Man is in the crowd. Uh, after the big celebrity appearance. That's a dude, um, That he's a Wu-Tang dude, right? Yes. Method Man? Okay. I believe so, yeah. Uh, the Rock is backstage with uh, Michael Cole. Uh, uh, prepping for the upcoming uh, IC ladder match. I think Rock is just... Uh, Rock I just right. I just love him being an asshole to Michael Cole already. He's already got that quick wit going. It's so good. So he's going right to slap the yellow off of his teeth? He did. Yeah, he said that. You know, I'll slap the yellow off your teeth. He's right around the time where The Rock is finding himself as The Rock. He'd yeah. only been called The Rock for six months, maybe. He just got new music, I think, on the previous pay-per-view. And he was becoming the top Nation of Domination guy. Like, this is really where The Rock was starting to come into his own. It was really good. A great time for The Rock. Like, it was such a cool thing to watch because when he first came in, he was like your cookie-cutter baby face. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're like, okay, they're trying too hard to get him over. This is going to Ch- fail. And sure enough, Pretty it did. Like, the crowd shit all over him. Yeah. So, trying to celebrate that he's a multi-generation wrestler, but, yeah, just not really with an identity to work with. Yeah, it's like when WCW brought up Dustin Rhodes and promoted him as Dusty's kid. Like, okay, here's Rocky Johnson's kid. He's going to be your vanilla babyface. The crowd shit all over it. That's not what they wanted in 1996, 1997. When they finally let him be himself, that's when you saw him become The Rock. And like you said, Eddie, like this is where you saw him starting, like the flower was starting to bloom. Like it was starting to blossom. Like you really saw him start to take shape here. And this is where his character started to develop. And those interviews right. with Coach, with Michael Cole, that happened backstage, that was a huge part of The Rock developing that character. Yeah, and I stopped watching um, after the show, and and I'm, I keep meaning, meaning to get back to it, but I think we're a week or two away from him talking about the $500 shirts, which is yes. when it was like... You know what I mean? That was where you're like, man, this guy's a fucking dick. (laughs) He really is. And let's not overlook the fact that when Jericho debuted, what was Jericho wearing? A $500 shirt. shirt. Thank you. Totally. The Rock made that a thing on the fly. The sunglasses, the shtick, the shirt, the whole bit. Like, you could really see The Rock coming into his own. And SummerSlam 98 is really where you saw it start to take shape. And like you said, he was he was starting to take over the nation. And this dude, like you could tell the rocket was on his back. He was going next level. And I would also just like to point out um, how great of a talent scout Pat Patterson was. Because Pat Patterson was the guy who found him. You know, and it was like, 
He yeah. didn't find him out of nowhere. He was obviously Rocky Johnson's son, but still Pat Patterson saw something in him. You know, like yep. that's it. And that was that was one of the great things about Pat Patterson. Like that's its own skill, you know, to be able to like spot a guy and know that someone know that someone has something. You know, like that's that's something special that Pat Patterson had that he knew how to do. So Right. Like he could do all the moves, fine, but does he have it? And Rock right. certainly and, had it. Pat Patterson and, saw it. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. All right, let's let's uh, let's let's keep All going. Right. We got uh, the mixed tag match: Marvelous Mark Marrow and Jacqueline taking on Sable and a mystery partner. Um, let me give some quick background on this match. So, Sable been feuding with Mark Marrow since you know a couple weeks before before WrestleMania. Her partner, spoiler, is Edge. Edge had been lurking in the crowd for kind of since, I don't know, June, something like that. Maybe eight, ten weeks he'd been lurking in the crowd. He had one match on Raw. It was against Jose Estrada. He did a a flip out of the ring onto Jose Estrada, hit him on the head with his thigh, broke his neck. (laughs) And that was the end of Jose Estrada. And I think, I didn't mean to laugh, sorry. It's a hell of a start to your career, right? Yeah, right. It was that's why I was kind of laughing. I was like, damn, you know, um, first <laughs> match, right breaks guy's bat, neck. Yeah. And that was sort of, they must've had a story in, in place for him. And that was out the window. Cause Jose Estrada's neck is broken. So he'd been lurking in the crowd. He jumped a few people. He jumped Mark Merrow, maybe three, four weeks before this, after a match, then this is the next time we see him. Oh, so he was Sable's mystery partner. He yes. was Sable's mystery partner. Yeah. So it's, yeah, right. Yeah. Of all things you do with Edge. So it's, it's only Edge's second match on TV besides maybe like, uh, I don't know if Heat was on back then. I don't think it was. I think it's it pre it w- So it was the I mean, Jose I mean, that, Estrada snuff film yeah. and then this tag match with Sable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Hey, hell of a start. Also, uh, really quick, uh, when Sable is entering, somebody threw a dollar at her. Oh, oh, fuck. Wow. Really? Or it looked like that. it. It looked like it. Oh, that's so, some kind, Some kind of rectangular piece of it. It could have been a ticket, but like as she Come was on. entering, you could see one of those uh, little papers just just flying right by her. Right, what, right. This yeah. was WrestleMania. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. 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 You only you only go see the strippers WrestleMania weekend. You're right, Scott. That's it. Yeah. Not SummerSlam. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. That's a rookie move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I hey, also only I only learn from the experts. Dollar bills are brunettes. <laughs> <laughs> I That's like blondes me. and redheads. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, you really do. We, we really do. It, we distribute at strip clubs. <laughs> we're a good team. Oh yeah, yeah. We we yeah we we're very representative. Dude, remember that three story one in New York? We went back in uh, 2013. Yeah, that was Rick's Rick's Cabaret. It was yeah, two stories. She, two stories. And we were. Was it? I thought it was three. We were like three stories up, weren't we? I thought it was two. Okay, so the one in Nola was two for sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. And Chow said it was like one... feeding the fish. Right, right. We're, we're like the top floors open to the stage down below, and you're throwing dollars. Yes. Chow, Chow said it was like feeding a fish. Yeah, because when you drop your dollar bill, it like floats down. Right. That's a joke. Yeah. We keep it classy in wrestling. Thanks for explaining it. Yeah. Well, I had to. I didn't know if people got it. Yeah. No, our listeners are very smart. They, especially with when it comes to strippers. Um, anyway, like this match was, um, 
match was actually really good. I definitely suspected that Pat Patterson was really involved with it because I could see that this match was... I don't know if you noticed this, Scott. Clearly, this match was very, very well planned out beforehand. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, there were a lot of parts spots. where someone had to be in the right spot at the right time. Like, there was the one part right. where Meryl gets, Meryl gets knocked off the apron, and then he walks to the backside of the ring by the ramp, and Edge dives out and hits him. And it's like, why would you ever walk over there? You know? Yeah. There was just a lot of stuff like that, where it was... It, it kind of the match came off as like to me as like unnatural. Yeah, yeah, it was very scripted. Yeah, like right. choreographed might be oh. a better word. No, I used that word several times in my notes. So first off, yeah, okay, I, you could see it too. Yeah. I, so first off, I don't think I've ever seen Edge uh, use a hurricanrana. So I was just really mm-hmm. impressed seeing that. Uh, Jack, I. In general, I know Jacqueline to be a great wrestler, but this was not a match that really featured that with her. No, no, right, no, no, she no was, at but, all. But, but at this point, she was probably the best wrestler in the match. I would agree with that. Right? Because Edge was still a rookie. Mark Merrow was like, okay, but she's the most better. Okay, okay, yeah. No, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, there was just that, that great choreography sequence of uh, Jacqueline... Uh, Doing a f- or moving from a frog splash to hit marrow, thrown against the ropes. Edge throws marrow into uh, into the corner when he turns right. and falls face. Uh, oh no! Jacqueline goes uh, face first right into Mark Marrow's balls. So <laughs> that yeah, great. that was great. That was definitely a Pat Patterson call. Exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I thought. That was that might have been the spot where I started thinking Patterson was involved with it. Yeah. He's like, Vince, you're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd, the crowd, they're going to go banana. They're going to go banana. Also, spoiler alert, uh, Edge and Sable win. I even uh, wrote down that Sable's fist pump celebration seemed choreographed. <laughs> yeah, everything wasn't Sable great, right? Choreographed. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't she great. Was, what do you mean she wasn't great? She wasn't good. Yeah, Okay. I, I was trying to be nice. I mean that. Okay. I mean that still makes Scott's statement valid. But yeah. Yeah. Was well, just trying to be nice, but yeah, you're right. I mean, look, you're putting her over because of her tits. Come on, let's be real. That was right? it, right? That was the yeah. only thing about her. I don't that even was be it. like, dude. Like I've been. Well, Carissa has accused this show of being sexist before. I don't feel the show is, is sexist. I'm not saying this to be sexist at all, but Sable was only over because she had those big fake fucking tits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe Name just to a good fill, sample match. Just to put that one body into the women's division so that there would still be rest or wrestling fans that would at least watch the women's division. Because, man, Jacqueline could fuck bodies up. But I guess if she doesn't have a lot of competition, who's going to, yeah, who's going to watch her at that time? Yeah. Right, right. That's true. I mean, she, yeah, she didn't have anyone else to work with, but still... You know, they have to draw some kind of attention, which sucks in that manner. But yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. She's married to fucking Brock Lesnar and gets to live on a farm in fucking uh, Saskatchewan now. Good. Oh, good for her. (laughs) Yeah, it's where she belongs up in Saskatchewan. (laughs) Uh, After that, we got a we've got a really bizarre backstage segment with. Uh, Michael Cole, Mankind, and Vince McMahon. 
where Mankind is considering forfeiting his uh, upcoming match for the tag titles. Uh, and he even suggests Michael Colby is a tag partner. Right, so he and Kane were the tag champions. Kane turned babyface around this time. Mankind was still heel. He was loyal to Vince. And he was like, shit, I got to wrestle the... It was the New Age Outlaws, right? Yeah, because Mankind uh, wasn't yeah. going to be... Or uh, uh, Kane wasn't going to be there. Right, and he was like... He, he was like pissed. He was like, I got to wrestle them by myself. And these fucking fans are going to love it because I'm going to get my ass kicked. And I think he said something like, I might as well go play in traffic because <laughs> that's all they want to yeah. see. <laughs> but we know yeah, Vince. Vince. Vince is like, the show must go on. Yeah, and it was very like... Um, wasn't it very like... Um, Real life Vince. It's like the way you picture Vince talking to someone in his actual office. Yeah, off TV. for sure. For sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, pal, just get out there and do it. And just get out there and do it, pal. Good and everyone's going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It was good shit. You know, Mick, it, it was one of those ones where you're like, man, Mick Foley could cut a fucking promo, too. Oh, he was fantastic. Mm hmm. All right. So. Uh, after that weird oh also uh, to try to motivate him Vince uh, gives like whatever stupid weapon it was on a silver platter but it was a baking tray like in the garbage or something so it was a platter on a platter yeah so, it was something weird cool yeah alright uh, next match we head to the MSG theater uh, extra space so I guess Everyone in the main uh, garden area or arena area could get a beer or two or seven. Uh, it's a Lions Den match between Owen Hart with Dan the Beast Severn taking on Ken Shamrock. So this was the sequel to the uh, dungeon match, which was at the uh, fully loaded pay-per-view, which Scott and I were at in Fresno. Oh, wait a second. So there was a match like this before this? It was the dungeon match at um, the dungeon in Calgary. Oh, okay. See, I I totally don't remember that. <coughs> you were there, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. But I was yeah. a lot of places 23 years ago. I right. don't well, remember. That's, that's how great the match was. You you were there and you don't remember. Um, luckily, Mr. Personality Dan Severin was there to make it worth watching. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Um, Electricity and, himself. Uh, to be honest, I'm cool with completely skipping this match oh really okay so you weren't impressed by the or super impressed by the fact that Ken Shamrock was like leaping off the cage like running and leaping back and doing elbows oh yeah it's exactly the kind of shit I, I would see like Tank Abbott doing in a cage you know it was very right. ma very MMA very MMA right no you're 100% right fuck this match yeah. dude even though Owen was in it and I love Owen fuck this match like really this is the best they could do with Owen at the time that's what I'm that's what I'm saying all right. Uh, uh, actually, hang on. I liked the feud with Owen and Shamrock. I just didn't like these two matches. Yeah, I mean, who was going to believe that Owen could beat Shamrock in a cage to begin with? That's what I'm like, saying. Like, really? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck, man. Come on. Right. It was just bad. It was, it was bad. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Owen really? deserved better, damn it. Really yeah. quick, was this particular match bad, or are just Lions Den matches bad? Lions well, Den matches only are Lions bad. Den match, but this fucking um, Lions Den um, 
dungeon shit with Owen and Shamrock was bad. It was. Okay. Just put him it in the was. ring and have him have a wrestling match. Yeah, or okay. if you have to have these fucking UFC-type matches, put Shamrock in with other UFC has-beens. Like fucking Gracie or Tank Abbott or fucking Severn. Like, not John, Owen. John Matua. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Chemo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was saw, just... I saw Chemo in Vegas one time. You did? Legit? Like, just walking around? Yeah, we were in, I want to say Bellagio. He was in a wife feeder. He had all, I could see all those tattoos. And I just I kind of noticed him. I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then he turned around. And I was like, oh shit, it's chemo. I don't oh. care. Yeah. <laughs> okay, on with my day. Right. Yeah, yeah wh- whatever. Let's go. Yeah. Let's this hit was, the buffet. This was only. <laughs> Where's the $5 roulette? <laughs> <laughs> I recall only one other Lion's Den match. I think it was that Sunday night heat where uh, it was in another part. I think Owen. I think it was Owen versus Steve Blackman. Uh, it's that same one where uh, APA beats the holy hell out of uh, out of that one team. Public Enemy. Public Enemy. But that that's so the good. only other time I've seen uh, a Lions Den match. Only because I haven't uh, been exposed to them as much. I was just trying to see if there was Lucky. any, any detail Adam. about it. It's, so I have weird opinions about how Lion slow... Dens? Not <laughs> about how slow-paced cage matches become, and seeing if there was something there that maybe they could take from it, but maybe we don't see Lions Den matches anymore because they didn't work. So I guess that's on me for missing it. Anyways, uh, after that we have a uh, Stone Cold and I, Michael I Cole talk about that match. We spent ten minutes on the fucking thing. Well, we did fifteen on the oddities. So, go figure. I don't know if there are any uh, shitty matches, so uh, I think everything should be good from here on out. We should be uh, back on pace. Uh, Austin and Cole segment backstage. Austin has Skull Championship belt in hand. Uh, Leading up to, or after that, we go into a... Alright, this is going to be... This is going to be a mouthful. A no disqualification, falls count anywhere, handicap match for the WWF tag titles. Mankind without Kane taking on the New Age Outlaws. A handicap match for the tag titles. And there was a dumpster there again. Ugh. Whose idea was this? Early on in the match. Son of a bitch. So these guys early on in the match did a concerto with bacon sheets. Is that the first concerto? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah, because Christian wasn't on the scene yet, obviously. So yeah. Yeah, so did the outlaws have been the first move? I made a note of that, yeah. yeah. Outlaws hit silver platter concerto. Um so we get a we get a Foley chant during the match. Mick Foley is the top heel in the company right now. Yeah, getting babyface chants. Because it's fucking New York, right? Exactly. Yeah. First of all, they always love the heel. Second of all, he's from Long Island. So Exactly. Local hero. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. figure. It wasn't much of a wasn't much of a match. They just whipped his fucking ass. They hit him with the spike pile driver onto the belt and they win. Yep. Um they mostly just hit him with shit. That was it. Yeah. I think mankind had like a brief little flurry, but it was pretty much a squash for the outlaws. Yeah. Then after the match, they throw him in the dumpster. Kane is in the fucking dumpster for some reason. Right. 
and he I think he hits mankind with the sledgehammer. <laughs> Sledge, yes, yeah, so effectively turning. It was like a double turn in a dumpster. Yeah, right, right. And, and then he pushes the dumpster up the ramp. Yeah, nothing JR far related. Was very, yeah, very upset. Oh, Jr. was pissed, dude. He's losing his mind. Right, and like you said, it was double turn, fully turned baby face because yep. of Jr.'s commentary. Right, exactly. Yeah, that you was know? how good Jr. was in '98. Totally, and the just in general, the writing on the show was really that good. You know, like let's be subtle about it and have Jr. Uh, you know, get get him sympathy. Yeah, so it was a mixed bag for me up to this point, but that was good storytelling in that match. Like it I really wasn't was. super. Yeah, so I mean, solid opener. I loved the opener between Val Venus and D'Lo. I mm-hmm. love the X Pac Jeff Jarrett match, but it was kind of a mixed bag for me up to this point. But the writing in this match, I was like, okay, now you've got me. And this what was great about the Attitude Era. Like, I'm now you've you, got me invested. Dude, I'm telling you, you gotta, just when you're, like, fucking off at home, not doing anything. Um, so you watch SummerSlam, put on the, the the next night's Raw. And just watch it, like, when you're just bored or just, like, whatever. Or even, even if you're doing something like cooking or whatever. You're doing something where you can see the TV. Put on the next episode of Raw from 98. It's fucking great. Okay. It's really, really good. That's why I watched like three fucking months of it, you know, in a couple in a couple weeks. Yeah, honestly, I haven't watched a lot of Attitude Era since the nineties. I kind of watched it and it was done, and that was that. So yeah, maybe I need to revisit it because I'm you really, really do. Pro- you really do, and a lot of times I thought like, oh yeah, it was good, but there was this shitty thing and that shitty thing, and we just remember it as being better than it was, and that's true. There's a lot of bad shit, but. In general, it's just very well written. You know, it's like really well written TV and every damn week it starts off hot where you're like, I have to see what happens in the next two hours and it finishes off where like, I can't wait till next fucking Monday. You know, it's just well, really it's, just compelling. It's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly how the show ended for me because it was so, so up to this point in my mind, a couple of good matches, but that match was outstanding and the storytelling, not the match itself, the storytelling... Mm-hmm. But the yeah. next match we're about to discuss, okay, now you've got your claws in me, and we're talking business now. Which is, Adam? We are going into a ladder match for the Intercontinental title. The Rock with Mark Henry. He's the champion entering, taking on Triple H, accompanied by China. So I got to be honest. We hit a low point as this match starts with the DX band playing Triple H to the ring. Oh, you didn't like that? Dude, they sounded like shit. <laughs> the band was terrible. The singer was fucking terrible. I'm watching them and I'm like, are the, dr- I can hear the drums, but I don't see any dr- mics for the drums. And the fucking bass seems maybe like it's slightly out of tune. It was just fucking so bad. Like if you ever went to a concert and saw a band sound like that, you would leave. You'd, like they sounded all- okay at 14, <laughs> right? No, no, they sounded terrible at 14. They sounded okay. Worse I need to go back like and watch because I didn't remember. Oh, God, dude, it was so bad. It's like the worst. It, I've probably been to 300 concerts in my life. I think I've seen three bands worse than this. Oh, geez. It was Man. trash, dude. Complete fucking garbage. Shit fucking. By the way, this song is the outro the, to this episode. <laughs> the live version? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna punish everyone who got through this episode. <laughs> Trash. Are you also yeah. going to include the uh, drum being destroyed at the end of it? 
Yeah, they beat the drums up, and it, it was just bad. Trap. Garbage. Garbage. Right. Triple H had um, the fucking lead singer on his shoulders like it was Take Your Kid to School Day or something. Or Take Your Kid to Work Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rock comes out with Mark Henry. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, it's fucking... We alluded to this earlier. It's crazy how good The Rock's gotten since WrestleMania. Like, we've got this, like, four oh or my five God. month span where he, like, really just, like, started fucking... You know, shit started to click. It was kind of like... It reminded me of Sasha Banks in, in, in around that same time period in 2005. Where it was like, yeah. things started to come together and it was starting to happen for him. Comes out holding the belt in his teeth and climbs the ladder. Last time, uh, or... Most recent uh, one I've seen do that is Pete Dunn. Mm-hmm. And then also Mark Henry uh, tongue teases China. <laughs> Wait, what, what? What? Mark Henry tongue teases China. Tongue teases? Like, or, well, they're starting to like t- tease that whole Mark Henry China angle. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that word before. Tongue, te- tongue tease. I like it. Or just, yeah. We... <laughs> he was that- like, this is how I'm going to lick your bird beak later. <laughs> wow. That's what the tongue tease was. See. Quite a callback. Also, uh, tr- trying to get away from that image, uh, before, before the match starts, uh, Rock clearly calls Triple H a motherfucker and says, fuck you, before the match. Um, yeah. And so this is this is already high stakes. Yeah, that was good shit. So uh, the Rock kind of works Triple H over early, like he's kicking his fucking ass. Mm-hmm. You know, like he kind of dominates the match early on, and then kind of later on he gets on the ladder. Mark Henry uh, grabs Triple H from the outside. China hits him. China had the worst punches I've ever seen. Yeah, they weren't great, dude. But right? like she, she was with- big enough to sell it. Yeah, I mean. She- it looked like she could punch the fuck out of you, but when she would do it, she would, they weren't quite forearms and they weren't kind of punches. They, she hit you with the back of her wrist. Yeah, but she was big enough to sell it. It didn't look fantastic, but you're like, okay, she's hella buff. That probably hurts like hell. See, I thought no? not that. I thought like, no, oh. nobody can hit you with the back of their wrist that way and make it hurt. I hate it. Okay. I did love the yellow ladder though. Yes, wasn't that cool? Like that was all awesome. black now. It was more just. Indus- it was more industrial. Made it more real instead of stage or reinforced. Right. It was I, like they just went to Home Depot, picked up a ladder, you know, right before the show, and brought it in. That looked. I thought that looked really cool. I don't. I. I. I never disliked the black ladders, but now I do. <laughs> okay, so we had a pay or we had a show on the TLC trilogy with the Dudleys, yes. the Hardys, and E and C. Mm-hmm. This took place before that trilogy started, but I would say before that trilogy started, this was the best ladder match WWF ever put on. I'm talking better than Razor and mm. Sean, better than any other ladder match before it. This was outstanding, and I love that it showcased two guys that really defined the Attitude Era. Triple H and Rock. Yeah. Like, if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of the Attitude Era, you're probably talking Mankind, Shit. Stone Cold... Triple H and The Rock, and I'm leaving off The Undertaker. So if you have to throw five up, put The Undertaker up there. This is I'll, one half of a Mount Rushmore. I'll agree, and, and the only reason I'll leave The Undertaker off is because he he was big for uh, so long of a period. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
the attitude error was like five years of his 30 year career. So yeah, right. Right. You're right. You're right. He can afford to be left off of this particular one. Yeah. This This would be the big shots of the attitude error. But this was outstanding. Like it really showcased both guys. Like both guys got offense in, they showed what they could do. They even got to showcase Mark Henry and China, their cohorts in the match. Everybody mm-hmm. got over. Four people got over in a one versus one match. And it just yeah. it, this was a, what the Attitude Era was all about. Like the last match is what pulled me in while watching the show. This match cemented it for me. I'm like, holy shit. Like Triple H and The Rock could fucking go in their heyday because this is really when both guys were in their prime. And wow, like if you're ever going to sit down and watch a ladder match, put this one on. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a fantastic ladder. It's a top shit. I would call it a top 10 of all time ladder match. Oh, dude, I'm going to say top five. Yeah. I forgot how good this was and going back and watching it. Holy shit. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, So the way it finishes is Triple H climbs the ladder and The Rock's going up with him. China gets in there. She punches Rock in the strudel. Yes. I thought it was his butthole. No? No, it was right in the strudel. Oh, it was in the strudel. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. and uh, Right to the people's champion. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So after the match, they did on the network, they do a home video exclusive. Um, Tony Gurria was carrying one of the ladders to the back. (laughs) Wasn't that funny? Like, it was like... Tony, go out there and get that ladder. Like, you think he's yeah. like... <laughs> a fucking legend. Like, yeah, go get yeah, that yeah. ladder, he's, Tony. Yeah, he's cleaning the ring up. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Also, Rock is... Uh, he's refusing the doctor's help uh, backstage. Mm-hmm. Starts uh, talking to Triple H uh, to the video. Ends with, like, payback is a bitch. Yeah, he's, like, being a dick to the doctors because he was busted open. Yeah. But you could yeah. tell, like, Rock was on his way. Like, I know we've put over The Rock totally. a lot on this show so far. Mm-hmm. But even back in 98, when you're starting... I know you and I, Ed, were kind of close in age. But we had watched wrestling long enough way by older. 98. Uh, not way. I, I wouldn't say four to five years is way older. But you and I, in terms of watching wrestling, we've been watching almost the same amount of time. Yeah. And I would say that by 98... We were kind of smartened up a little bit, and you could see enough mm-hmm. in The Rock to go, okay, we're in 98 now. In a year or two, this guy's going to be carrying the company on his back. That's true. Yeah, And I agree, I agree what do that. you know? He, that was the fucking guy. It was The yeah, Rock. totally. Yeah. After that, we head to our main event. This is the for the WWF title. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the champion entering. He is taking on The Undertaker. Unfortunate placement for the Rock and Triple H match, if you ask me. It should not have gone before this, because this match felt to me like an afterthought. You know what? I, ha- I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. And now they, they ch- they've changed the way that they book shows. Yeah. Now this match, this might have gone on first now. Possibly. Yeah, it could have let off the show or... You put mm-hmm. in that Sable and Edge match before the main event because yeah. it, you were on such a high after that Rock and Triple A was so fucking good to follow it up with breather. this. Yeah. And and you didn't have any backstage shit after the last match. Mm-hmm. So you kind of went right into the main event and it was like, oh man. Like, I, I don't think that they should have run the match in that order. They should have had the Sable and Edge match kind of be a filler. 
Or even the yeah. Oddities match be a filler. Not the Oddities. Uh, you're right. That should have just been left off entirely. Yeah. <laughs> For the no, love you're right. of God. I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that, but that's a really good observation. Um, I, I completely agree. Just in watching the ebbs and flows of the show, mm-hmm. you kind of get a feel, right? And I felt, after watching that ladder match, I was on such a high, like, oh my God, like, legends. Like, two fucking staples of the Attitude Era just tore it up in the ring. And here come Austin and Undertaker, like, two legends. But you were on such a drain after that last match. Like, man, how did you get up for this one? It's just, it was good. But there was no way to just match up to it. It was impossible. That's true, because, um, well, the first thing in my notes for this match is it was a really slow start. Yes. But Stone right? Cold got a Road Warriors pop, dude. Stone Cold? Yeah, he got a Road Warriors pop. Um, Undertaker has a broken foot. He's had a broken foot since June from the Hell in a Cell match, and he's not taking any, any time off. Because, I was, like I said, I was watching every week of Raw. and um, he's Wait, he legit had a broken foot? Yeah, he went in. I don't know how he broke it, but he went into the cell match with Foley with a broken foot. Okay. Because um, if you watch where he drops down from the top of the cage after he throws Foley through it, he right. kind of like limps and grimaces. Um, his foot was broken at the time. So this is two months later. He's not missed a week of TV. So wow. he might, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I got to watch. keep watching going forward. I have a feeling he's going to take some time off after this match. But um, well, the no, end kind of teased that he could. What's that? The end kind of teased that he could take some time off if he had to. It did exactly. That's why I thought that. But um, yeah, it was just like I mean, what a bad motherfucker to work for two months on the road traveling with a broken foot. Well, those are the kinds of things you do when you're a legend. Yeah, right. That's true. Um. So one of the one of my favorite parts of the match was pretty early on. Um, Taker goes for a quick cover early on, gets a two count, stands up and flips the Undertaker off. I was like that was so fucking. <laughs> I wrote so that Austin, exact same so thing. So fucking yeah. badass. Um, Austin did a Fujiwara armbar early on. That's the only time I've ever seen him do a move like that. I've never seen him do that outside of this match. Right? Wasn't that kind of crazy? Totally. Yeah. Um. Undertaker goes for old school. Austin pulled him down and he landed on his shoulder. And I was like, oh shit. Now his foot and his shoulder are fucked. Because it, it looked bad the way he landed. Yeah. But he didn't sell it at all. He seemed like he was fine. But I don't know how you could be fine after that. Well, look, even if he was hurt, we're talking about the Undertaker, dude. You do your mm-hmm. business, you go to the back, and then you worry about it. You're in the main event, that's dude. You power through. Yeah, that's true. Um... So then Kane shows up later on, right? Taker tells him to split. He sends sends him away. JR the calls him in... the demon seed. Yeah, yeah, the demon seed. Then they go they fight into the crowd. Earl Hebner seems very concerned, but not concerned enough to count. <laughs> <laughs> um then they get back in the ring. On the way back to the ring, Taker almost kills Vlad. Or, I mean, uh, Stone Cold almost kills Vlad. Yeah, like, almost smashes him against the railing. They get inside. Stone Cold goes for a stunner. Undertaker backs out of it and does that backflip over the top rope. It was so fucking badass. I love yeah. that spot. Right? Um, And then we get to the spot outside with the table. 
Taker sets up Undertaker on the table, the Spanish announce table, which is um, in Spanish is called the Mesa de Anuncios en Español. And he does a leg drop off the top rope onto Stone Cold. Well done. Yeah, thank you. And this is the first time we've ever seen Undertaker do something completely insane like that, I think. Right? Well, I've never seen Hogan do a leg drop like that. What? What are you... Why are you talking about Hogan? Well, Taker did a leg drop. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying this is the first time we've seen Taker do like a crazy spot like that. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Yeah. Like he made the leg drop famous. Way more famous than Hogan. Oh, Hogan never did that shit. I get what you're saying, Hogan leg drop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It also looked interesting because it didn't look like, or the table didn't really break when uh, Earl Hebner went to check on them. He's the they one that broke it. didn't break at all. They, yeah. They, they he's the one that broke it. it. Yeah. Right. They just like kind of slid right off of it through I think the chairs. When watching it initially at full speed, I thought he, I thought he missed the leg drop. He came up short and turned it into a missile drop kick. But I think after watching it, it was a leg drop. Uh, but. But it was weird how Austin got the edge of it and table didn't break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, then they get back in the ring, Taker hits a choke slam, and then a tombstone. And then I noticed the crowd is chanting for Taker. And I was like, wow, this is the first time in a year and a half that it wasn't a completely 100% pro-Austin crowd. Yeah. It was New and York, though, dude. Like, MSG's a wild card. That's what I was going to say. Part of it is that it's New York. Part of it is that it's Undertaker. Yeah. Um, then Taker goes for, uh, old school again. Austin hits him with a low blow after he comes up the top rope. And then I was like, how come he's the only guy who can figure out how to counter this move? (laughs) (laughs) Right. This was 20 fucking something years ago, but if Undertaker could get in the ring right now and hit someone with the old school and nobody would know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stone Cold hits a stunner. Earl counts one, two, three. Was that the slowest count you've ever seen? I wrote down her. Hepner's slow count for a ref that wasn't injured. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it was weird. It was like Earl. Yeah, maybe he was, was just waiting some, for something. Maybe was he something was just supposed wind, to happen. He was winded trying to find them in the crowd when they went there. He must have gotten to the wrong section and maybe got to the cotton candy guy. He's like, shit, I gotta get back to the ring. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Earl snatched a beer when they were in the crowd and he was blown up. <laughs> right, right. Look, yeah, the match was fine. But it should not have been your main event. Um, I, I I don't agree. I think the the title generally. I think the title match should go on last. I don't think the IC ladder match should go on last. Um, when you look at I'm, the matches, though, dude. I know, but you know what though? But I don't know how much you can necessarily predict beforehand what matches can be best. Well, then you lead off with Triple H and Rock. I agree. That I agree with. They, that should have opened. That should have been the uh, curtain jerker. Yes, and then you put the oddities or the sable match right before the main event. Totally. Yeah, you're totally right. If there's one criticism I could have at the show, it was the uh, the layout of the card. Oh, that's the one criticism. Not the oddities match. That was fine. Not the cage match between Owen and Ken Shamrock. That was an abomination. That was fine. This is your one criticism. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. When you okay. listen back to this, you're going to be so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you're right. 
The oddities was bad. Actually, Owen and Shamrock was bad. Okay, so let's get into like the uh, summary of the show. The low lights. Yes. Owen and Shamrock was Owen and Shamrock was bad, and it wasn't so much bad, but it made no sense. No one's doing a fucking springboard off a cage in the UFC match. Fuck that. Yes. Thank you. Um, Yes. The oddities had some kind of funny spots, but kind of only barely funny. So because that it, sucked. It got repetitive fast. I mean, yeah. like, I just so, like I said, I I that's your young piss break match. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't Jordans. <laughs> no, they were Keds. Right. Val Venus and D'Lo was great, but the finish great was match. bullshit. Yeah. Jared uh, and Jarrett and X-Pac, fantastic. Yeah, I, I actually really liked Foley and the New Age Outlaws. Um, like it told said, a good story. Really, like that's where you saw what they could do with storytelling in the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah, it was re- it was great. It was really well booked. Um, Agree. Over Agree. The I I thought the Lions End match was the worst part of the show. Um, overall, I thought the show was really really good. It was as good as I remembered it being because, like we talked about earlier, I remembered loving the show, but I hadn't seen it in twenty something years. So I didn't really remember anything about it other than I loved it. And overall, I fucking love the Attitude Era. There have been people on Twitter who are like, oh, what era of wrestling do you like the most? And I'm like, we watch a lot of 80s and early 90s stuff. And I've a couple times said like, oh, the 80s is the best. Taking a month off work and watching hella Attitude Era, Attitude Era is the best. Thank you. Really? Okay. And I'm going to disagree 100%. I like the Attitude Era a lot, but for me, it's it's 80s and early 90s, and that's yeah. my jam. But you know what? That's what makes this show great, because Adam is 2000s, so mm-hmm. we're going to cover yep. all of those eras for you, with each different one being a favorite of each of us. So, right. there you go. Yeah, right. For well, this one, well, exactly. I know that I know that it's Attitude Era, but I obviously wasn't really engaged with it. So once watching this pay per view, like this really makes sense that this is an Attitude Era pay per view. Like, just yeah, colorful language uh, flying off the bat uh, and fingers, like fingers, uh, <laughs> the sex appeal with uh, some other wrestlers, <laughs> um, even during the ladder match. You see the people's ass crack for a little bit. So there's edginess yes. to it. So, yeah. To, def- I al- forgot to say I finished to that. <laughs> also. Okay. Also, 1998. Again, this is a year into South Park. The New Age Outlaws are wearing South Park clothing as well. So just fulfilling Yeah, but Golga was too. Two of them and Golga. So South Park has really blown the fuck up. What a year for media, at least. Um, also. Yeah. Also, this is right after I turned 21. Oh. In which case, I was legal drinking age. And you didn't start drinking for another five or six years. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not really. Yeah. Yeah, an occasional occasional shot of Jaeger, but uh, yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) But Adam, let me give you props because your jam is like from 2000s on, but every show we've thrown at you, be it 80s, 90s late 90s so from the 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 og 80s era to the new era to the attitude era you've gone along with every single step you've jumped right in you've absorbed the material you've given your opinion so kudos to you man because you didn't watch every step of the way but you've been very willing to jump into the material and completely absorb it so hats off to you brother thank thank you and like in improv uh 
improv uh, comedy uh, performance speak there's the rule of yes anding i just have to acknowledge the instructions say yes all right we're gonna do that and i'm gonna watch the show i'm gonna laugh at it learn from it shit all over it and uh (laughs) sometimes yeah that's what we're doing (laughs) well here's to you adam cheers brother salud oh and lachayim oh look at that sip scott just took oh scott Oh my god, dude! Oh my god! Blackened in water, friend. Scott's getting a burrito in the morning. I also don't recommend in nations when we're done. In nations after, yeah, you guys, anyone who's not in uh, the Bay Area, Nations makes the most badass fucking burgers and pies. They're like two and- pounds and and pies. Scott's getting that, and tomorrow morning he's gonna get. Also, oh. if you don't live in California, you don't know what a burrito is. Scott's getting a fucking burrito tomorrow morning. A monster fucking burrito. Fine, I might too. That's in good form. I could really go for a Nations right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, it sounds hella good. Also, weirdest combination, get a veggie burger topped with bacon. It's actually really good. No. (laughs) Veggie burger? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. I don't think so, dude. Beef and bacon? No. Uh -uh. Maybe try it once. I I mean, I liked it, but I still go there for the burgers and and shit. Well, if you're buying, I'll try one. Yeah. Once. Just try it once. Okay. Also, if you're buying, sure. Also, one thing that I don't recommend trying once this apple pie soda. <laughs> you hate it. Oh no, it's bad. I didn't. Yeah, it's it's got a weird toothpaste aftertaste or something. Hold on, let's see. <laughs> on apple pie? What the fuck? Toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, the aftertaste is weird. <laughs> Kiss soda, good. Uh, a bunch of other drinks, good. Uh. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just me. Apple pie uh, soda isn't working. You're going to have to lick your own butthole to get rid of the taste. <laughs> Sad. Oh, my butthole. Lucky. I'm not that, <laughs> right, fle- I'm not that let's, flexible. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, put this shit to bed, man. That is uh, some yeah, slam. But wait, can we mention that Ed peed oh, yeah. into a bag during the course of the show because he's a professional? I did. I did. Ed peed into oh, a bag. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's a pee bag. It's not just a bag. It's not like... It's not like a paper bag from fucking the supermarket That's... or like a Ziploc. It's a pee bag. It's a gray it's bag four. of urine. Yeah, well, I mean, I use these at work. We're classy AF here. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was either pee into a pee bag like I do every day at work or take a fucking break from the show. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. And now you've done both ways. Which way do you prefer? Peeing into a bag during the show or taking a break and just walking away from your mic? Well, this is not this is not new. This is not the first time I've peed into a pee bag during a podcast. Um, but... I definitely prefer that. Okay, there you go. I mean, you're a professional, dude. Hats off to you too. It's also in the Twitter bio. I'm a broadcast journalist. This is a podcast with pee breaks, so at least we give ourselves that safety net if necessary. And the Twitter (laughs) account says that. I've dropped a diarrhea during a show before, so that's how we roll on this show. (laughs) He did. That was in San Diego. It was in San Diego. I'm not proud of it, but I did it. I was proud of it. You peed in a room later too. Fuck! I thought I. I was hoping you'd he, forget that he was. Uh, trying to, he was trying to step because I've done it before too. Life. I did. I, I peed on Carissa's hoodie that night. <laughs> oh God! Was she wearing it? <laughs> no, no, she wasn't wearing it. No, it was like balled up in the corner, and I peed on it. I woke. I wake up the next morning to a very angry wife, dude. You, like a you fucking did last cat, night? No, dude. What are you talking about? You peed on my hoodie. What? <laughs> oh my a, God. That was a disaster. Did you just leave it there? 
Yeah, I went back to fucking bed. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was sleepwalking, dude. No, no, no. My question is, okay, so you peed on her hoodie. Did you just leave it in San Diego in the corner of the room, or did you bring it home? No, no. We had like a uh, like a plastic bag from Whole Foods. I think we put it in there and tied it up and got <laughs> got on the airplane. <laughs> Okay. There's a so, whole new level of class right, we take right, the show to right, every Adam, week. Adam, close this shit out. <laughs> Let me ask you this. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Which was better, a recap of that story or that uh, Kai and Tai uh, oddities match? Oh, it was definitely the story. See? I don't know, man. Dick to go was pretty good. <laughs> Just messing. But anyways, that is SummerSlam 98. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And please, uh, if you watch it, let us know what your thoughts on are about uh, this show if there's anything that we missed and also please leave us any reviews on all the podcasting platforms our social media is wrestling underscore drunk uh yeah this was a SummerSlam 98 taking place at the world's most famous arena and also great pizza that surrounds that place Eddie and Carissa know that because because mm-hmm. I could down Word. pizza like a motherfucker uh, so with Scott, with Eddie, I'm Adam. Just reminding all of you to the fuck is it? Enjoy watch your re- buzz. Enjoy your buzz. Watch wrestling responsibly. Drink like nobody is watching. And in the meantime, please uh, continue all the safety uh, protocols. And that takes care of our episode. We will see you all later for another episode of Drunk Wrestling History. One, two, three. Ring that bell. Dive. Choppy choppy your pee pee. Ha, 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 ha.